0: Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now let's all stand out of respect to the reading of God's inspired, and, and infallible Word. In Acts chapter 6, seven verses of Scripture that I would like to read beginning with verse 1. And in those days... When the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmesnus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. May God bless the reading of his word, and please be seated. All of us are living in a day when we are surrounded by crowds of negative people you do not have to go very far today until you'll run into one of them there will be somebody that is going to be complaining about something we live in a day where football fans love to boo like all other sports it is really interesting i I heard Bum Phillips yesterday when he was our guest, along with Mike Barber, the former Oilers and and the Oiler coach. And uh, he said something real interesting about booing. He said he learned as a professional football coach, those that are booing you are just one play against cheering you. Just one good play, and it's all it takes to turn the boos into applause. And you know, life can either be negative for you or it can be positive. You can either go around making all of your decision on defense. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm just not going to have anything to do with that. Or you can take and look at the reality that problems are literally opportunities or they are possibilities that are laid before us that if we will address them in every area of our life, problems can become our greatest blessings because it is problems that cause medical science to turn in a direction of research. And when certain things happen, recently we've had the Nile virus scare and we saw how things were motorized and mobilized to uh, deal with that issue. We can go back to the horrible days of years ago when polio ran rampant through our schools And how Jonas Salk and others were a part of turning that around. If you've ever had cancer in your family, if you've ever had uh, tuberculosis, you know that it was that problem that arose, the AIDS virus. And something began to be done. That problem became an opportunity. Problems are possibilities in disguise, is what someone that was very wise said. Listen to that again. Problems are possibilities in disguise. Now when you and I can look at the world through the eyes of God and see things as God sees things, our whole life will change. If we can get ever focused on that one, there's one little verse that, I, that always comes into my head literally on a weekly basis. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. If we can have the mind of Christ and see the world as Jesus saw the world, he saw the problems, but he knew there was a solution. His his problem became, how do I get that solution to the ones that are suffering because of the problem? Because there were so many obstacles that got in his way. When he tried to show people how much he loved them, there were people that, that claimed to be followers of Jesus that acted in such a way that the people that needed to get to Jesus could not get to Jesus because of the crowd of people that were so negative, so judgmental that there was no opportunity for them to see God for who he really was. Now, I want us to look for these few minutes at this passage of scripture. I want to acknowledge that this is about a church. However, What I'm going to share with you is relevant not only to the church, but to your family. It is relevant to to your business. It is relevant to the nation. It is relevant to just about anything you want to name that can birth problems. So please pay very close attention to the four things that I want you to hear. The first century church had growing pains, growing pains. Have you ever heard that word before, growing pains? You know, growing children have growing pains. Just think about it for a moment. When I was a little boy, I uh, had a mother that made me take a nap, even in the summer. You ate lunch, go get your nap. Now, what that meant was your schedule is over for the day until you get your nap. Well, that was tough. I got spanked often. Can you imagine that? I got a spankings when I was a kid. That was a corporal punishment a long time ago. All right. I remember one day, true story, when somebody called our house. Our number was 553. That's it, 553. That's a telephone number. Five five three. I said hello. The person on the other end of the line thought it was my mother. Now, there's nothing anything worse to be twelve years old and somebody think your voice is your mother. <laughs> I was going through that growing pain that every male knows about when all of a sudden, you know, your your voice begins to change. My clothes never fit very long. Neither did yours. Responsibility had to be shared. Can you imagine a parent demanding their children take responsibility? I mean, that's horrible, isn't it? Pick up your clothes, take out the trash, mow the yard. I mean, that's growing pains. I like living on the dude ranch. You know, I just like being at the country club there at 402 Johnson, just bring it on, I'll eat it, wear it, whatever. But that wasn't the case. The pimples came, the cow licks came. And then there are other families. I was an only child, but there are growing pains when families grow. You know, you have one child, and you know, that's pretty cool. Second child comes along, and whoop, now we got a different problem. When we go to the grocery store, we got to get this for this one and this for that one. And this was a this this little boy's room, you know, his might have been blue, and now you got a little daughter, and your thought was we're gonna put this one in that room. You know how all that goes. That's growing pains. That's just part of a growing family. And somewhere along the way, parents have to decide whether they're going to raise grass or kids because you can't raise both on the same property, you know? And that that is a growing pain. Growing companies have growing pains. Sometimes they expand too quickly and they make bad decisions. But any time you have more units or more franchises or more stores or more employees, you have more problems. And growing churches have growing pains. The church in Acts had a problem due to growth. Look at the first verse. It says, And in those days when the number of the disciples multiplied. Now that is what introduces everything else in this brief part of the scripture. In that church... They experienced something that was good, but it brought with it problems. Now, here's the first thing I want you to remember. Where there is life, there is growth. Where there is life, there is growth. Whenever you see a church that is, and by the way, a church can be big or small. But it doesn't matter what's big or small it ought to be growing there ought to be a sign of life that is there there was an artist that was asked to paint a picture of his concept of a dead church and he went and he painted this beautiful building but where the baptistry was he put cobwebs all over the baptistry that it was not being used now when you comes to a church one of the things that is very important in a new testament church is that those that are the unredeemed, that have never been born again, are born again, and they come into the family of God, and that is an exciting thing, whether it's one or many. Our church moved into this building the uh, first Sunday of the summer. You saw a moment ago the 152nd person has been baptized this summer in summer slump. These are many, and most of them are adults. Adults. They're not little children that were raised in our homes. They're men and women and young people and old people. And this morning we had a deaf person that was, was uh, baptized and the family got to come over and, and uh, K signed for the one being baptized as well as the family. A very emotional time. But it's a sign of life. It is a sign that, that we are growing. And today we have... Now, in the other auditorium, a service, a wonderful, well attended service, had one in the last hour. And uh, we have a Spanish service today. Uh, it is exciting. We had two children's services today, seven different worship services. Why do you do all of that? I just think we ought to all get together. We don't have anywhere to all get together. So we divide and we grow. We pray if we'll just stay healthy. Well, if we're not growing, we're dying whether it is a business or anything else. But there's another principle. That is, where there is growth, there are problems. Look at what happened here. It says, in those days when the number of disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring. There arose a murmuring. Did <clears throat> you ever hear anybody say around a church, I wasn't, wasn't there and nobody called me? you ever hear uh, words like, Man, they got parking problems over at that church. You know, I was told this morning right here at our church that, that the lot over here to the left is filled about 25 minutes before the service time starts. Those are good problems, folks. They're good problems. They're, 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 it's good when you look around and you see where there's growth is, there's problems, and, and somebody gets your parking place, and somebody gets your seat, and scheduling becomes a fiasco to try to get everything uh, going on but here we got these little widows and they're being neglected and so they start murmuring. There was Greek uh, that spoke Hebrew and there were Hebrews that spoke Hebrew and they felt like one was getting uh, favored becoming favored and so the problem arose. Now let me tell you something every organization usually grows because it has a problem we can't serve everybody in this business. We can't manufacture enough stuff. Why do we have school board, bonds, excuse me, why do we have school bonds? Why do we have those kind of things? Because no longer can you have one high school in a place like Pasadena. You can no longer have one junior high. You can no longer have one Cruz Elementary. You have to expand and grow, why? And why do you have to do that? Because of growth. Growth is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But these people didn't plan to have that problem. It just happened in the midst of growth. of growth. You know, when God's out doing the multiplying, the devil wants to divide. And you always have to, to know that. But because you recognize that, you prepare yourself for it, and you know, listen, let me tell you something. If you think, And they got married and lived happily ever after. If you think that came out of the Bible, you better go back and get out your Mother Goose books and find out where some of that stuff came from. Nobody got married and lived happily ever after. Nor did anybody stay single and live happily ever after. That's fairy tale stuff. But this book tells you how to solve the problem. And you know, you may break up, but the fun comes in what? Making up, Remember that old song? Well, whenever you go around and you say, okay, they started murmuring. I try to have something in every sermon for those of you that have, you have good memories, but they're not long. You ever ever have anybody like you around that? I always try to give somebody just a little bit to take home with you. I'm fixing to give it to you right now. I want to give you one advice, one word of advice about murmuring. Ready? Don't do it. You say, well, what's your source from that? I'm glad you asked. Philippians 2.14. It says, do all things without murmurings and disputing. Let me ask you a question. Whenever you want to have a bunch of dinner guests over, you say, now, honey, let's see. We must be sure and bring somebody over to murmur to the group. You know. (laughs) You see, murmuring is where just a little bit of it comes out, but there's a whole lot more right over here. You give me more time, and, and my murmuring will become criticism and et cetera, et cetera, and even attacks. But mur- murmuring is a half-uttered and half-concealed complaint. So, that goes all the way back to the book of Exodus. You remember in Exodus 16, 8, Moses said, "Thou shalt sh- thou, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord hears your murmurings which you murmur against Him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us but against the Lord. He says to them, what you're doing is murmuring against God. Now think what they were doing. They weren't getting enough manna. They weren't getting the right food. Now eventually they're going to get quail. Now quail is the finest meat in the world. Quail. No one has ever given any of you any wild quail to eat. No hunter gives away quail. They give away bear meat and raccoons and venison and elk and all that stuff. Ducks, geese, no quail. That's too good for you. <laughs> but God, when those people were starving, rained down quail. It's literally in Exodus the word, Q U A I L, quail, with biscuits and gravy. And <laughs> said, I just added that biscuits and gravy. But rain down quail in order to show and the, remind the people, I got the best stuff for you. You just follow me. You just shut up and listen to me and be still and know that I'm God and no good thing will I withhold from you. That's what he says. God ranks murmuring with idolatry, fornication, tempting God. It's all through the scripture. But you see the problem here was not doctrinal, it was functional. These widows needed some special blessings of, of ministering to them because they are very special to God. They were then and they are now. They were in that situation and they are here at Sagemont Church. They should be in our whole culture that they are special, special people, the widows and the orphans. But here we see the problem is functional and so they're going to handle it in such a way, which brings up the third principle, and that's this. Where there are problems, there are solutions. Where there are problems, there are solutions. On our staff, two of our staff members that work by my side very closely are Executive Pastor Chuck Snyder and our Business Manager and Administrator Jim Green. When Chuck Snyder comes to my office and there's a problem, he'll come in quoting to me James 1.5, which says, Count it all joy when you find yourself in diverse uh, situations. Brother Jim Green, I say, how are things going? Opportunities, 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 is the way he answers me. Never problem, problem, problem. Because you see where there is a problem, there is always a solution at, that God has for every problem. So the problem here was practical. So here's what they do. <clears throat> they had a group that was spiritual, But they also had a group that was practical. They set these guys aside. And as they set them aside, knowing this is not a a choice between good and bad, it's between good and best. And so they say, now we're going to divide this up and we're going to organize. And that's not a bad word. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. All the way back to Genesis. Genesis. That's the way it was. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You remember, it's, first of all, said, sure is dark around here. And he spoke and he said, let there be light. Evening and morning, remember that? Then you remember about all that water. They had too much water. I mean, even the fishermen don't have a place to pull their trailers, you know, to go get in the water. I mean, we need to get some land. So they put the land there. Then you remember, they had the fish, then the birds, then the... Animals, and then the God made man, and God made things to grow. All organized, so beautiful, so awesome. That's the kind of God we have. But here's what he says to them. I want you to organize, he says, speaking to their hearts. <clears throat> I want you, first of all, to have a spiritual ministry. I want you to feed people the Word. Notice that. It's over and over there. It says, we'll minister the Word, and then you guys... Do the practical part. You wait on the tables. We'll have the Word, but we'll also have the practical. We'll have the spiritual and the practical. Now, that's the way our church is organized. I just met a man just a few moments ago that was baptized here just a few weeks ago. He had an incredible change in his life. He just told me out there what happened. And then he smiled and he put his arm around me. And he said, and today I'm serving Here at this church. Who would have believed it? Well God believed it. That's the reason he changed the man's life. And that's the same thing he'll do for you. I realize my job right now is to preach the word. If I don't preach the word. And if I'm not ready to preach the word. And if I haven't studied the word. These few minutes that I have. Is wasting all of your time. It is so important. There's nobody can take my place right now. Now there are other times. But right now. This is the moment. I've got to be prepared to preach. I try to keep three books going every week to read. I am shocked that 80%, 80 plus percent of men we're told by statisticians never read a book after they graduate from high school. That's terrible. And the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Now that being said, if I fail to give you the word of God, it's a terrible failure today for everybody. I heard a story. I hope that you understand this. A <laughs> man went to buy a parakeet. I can't hardly picture that myself. But anyway, he went to buy a parakeet. <laughs> he went into this store, and there was two parakeets. One was $100, and one was $25. So he said, why the difference in the price? He said, well, this one here can talk and sing. This one over here can just talk. So the one that can just talk is $25. The one that can talk and sing is $100. So the man said, well, I'll take the $25 one. Well, he took it home. When we took it home, the parrot pouted. He didn't say anything. So the guy got mad and goes back to the pet store. He goes back to the pet store and he said, You know, you sold me this parrot, this parakeet, you said it would talk and he won't say a word. The fellow known to the store, he says, Well, do you have a bell in the cage there with him? He said, No. Well, he said, well, We sell bells. They're $15. He said, Take this bell and go put it in the cage. So he went and took it and put it in the cage. A few days later, he came back. Same story. This parrot won't say a word. He said to him, he said, do you have a ladder? He said, a ladder? He said, yeah, to put in a cage so he can get up, you know, uh, up to where the bell is. He said, no. He said, we sell ladders. He said, they're $15. He bought him a ladder. Nothing happened. He came back a few days later. He said, "That, that dumb bird still won't talk. He said, well, do you have a mirror? No, I don't have a mirror. He said, well, you need a mirror. We sell mirrors for $20. And so he bought the mirror. Came back, nothing happened. This time he said, you need a swing. So he got him a swing for another $20. He took the swing home and put it up in the cage. The bird went into the cage, rang the bell, or climbed up the ladder, rang the bell, looked into the mirror jumped out on the swing swung back and forth twice fell over backwards with his back on the floor of the bird cage and stuck his paws up into the air and he said don't they sell any bird seed at that store you go to (laughs) now that may not say a word to you but it does to me i mean we can climb ladders and look in mirrors and ring bells and do everything else but if we don't feed the word You're not going to have any answers to the problems that you're facing in life. Amen. These people, if you'll notice, they were full of the Holy Spirit. That's what made them family. That's what makes life special. When one hurt, we all hurt. All cannot have knowledge, but listen to me. Every one of us can have wisdom. Did you know that? You say, where do you get that from? I mean, you can go to school all your life. You can get lots of degrees and still not have any wisdom. You can have knowledge. You can write a, a paper, but you cannot. I mean, you can have that and not have wisdom. But you know what the Bible says in James 1:5? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given to you. You see, you can get wisdom. All you, have, you don't have to pay tuition for it. It's all been paid for you don't need any more books we got the book and if you don't have the book we're giving them away free out in the information booth all right <clears throat> so what we have to do is we got to go at this thing and say all right how did they do it well they chose philip philip was the first missionary then they chose stephen stephen was the first martyr in the bible these two guys were the first two picked one was going to give his life on the mission field the other one was going to literally give his life when he was stoned to death But what made it work was that everybody carried out their assignment. Now when that happens in the family, when that happens at school, when that happens in the business, when that happens at the church, when that happens in our nation, when that happens in our world, then everything begins to come together. Number four, where there are solutions, there's going to be greater growth. When there are solutions... There's going to be greater growth. Verse 7 says, And they multiplied greatly. The number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem, right there at home, greatly. That was the result for them. That's the same result that we see in so many areas of life when we learn to take a problem and turn it into a possibility for great things to happen you see, when you look out and you see the need of the world, and God leads you to that, good things begin to happen. Every time the church in the New Testament had a problem, God sent a solution. When you've got a problem, God will send a solution. Now, what is your problem? I heard this week that there's going to be a program on television. I think uh, Jeff Foxworthy, I think, is associated with it. It says, if you don't know your Bible, you don't have a prayer. It's some kind of quiz on the Bible, and I saw it on Fox News, and they asked very deep theological questions like, who was it that got swallowed by the great fish? You know, well, one of the three got the right answer, so that's a biblical newscasters. But the, the point is this, if you don't know, this book this is the way the truth and it points us to the life Jesus is the way he gives us the truth and we can have life and we can have it more abundantly so when problems come the first problem you need to understand that you have to deal with and we close with this you're a sinner and so am I yesterday Bum Phillips was here the legendary coach of of the Oilers he's 90 years old he came with Mike Barber, one of his star players. He came and he talked about legends like Earl Campbell. Somebody out of the audience, one of the men asked him, said, tell me about Earl Campbell. Bum Phillips said, my first word is, he's a Christian. And he's a real Christian. His kids know the Lord. His mother knows the Lord. And Earl lives a life. And then he said this. He said, you know, <clears throat> I thought because I, was, I didn't steal, I didn't cheat on my wife, I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, I thought I was a Christian until this football player took me to prison and started preaching and I got under conviction. And on the way back from the prison, Bum Phillips asked Jesus into his heart. And from that on, time on yesterday morning to every person there, all he could talk about was Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And what a wonderful change in his life was wrought when Jesus came in his heart. But his, then he said, but the, the problem with me is I waited so long. If I'd only known Jesus when I had that opportunity with all those young people and all those young athletes, they, like Earl, knew the Lord, but I didn't. But I do now. And he came over here with no charge to this church to just say to all the men and the boys and the ladies that were there, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. You got a problem? Yes, you do. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus says, whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely. There's a free pass to salvation. Oh, it costs something. It costs it cost heaven its light. It cost God his son. And it cost Jesus his life on the cross. And he paid for your ticket you got a season eternal ticket. If, 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 you'll do what the Bible says. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Confess him as Lord and turn from your wicked ways and follow him and you'll have a brand new life. And you're sitting around people right now, I don't care where you're in this building. You're sitting around people right now that 12 months ago, their life was headed downward to destruction. Downward to destruction. That precious lady that sat there and watched that child baptize a while ago, it has only been about six weeks ago when she walked into this church and her life changed like that in just a few minutes when she experienced a new birth right back there in that connection center. That's what this is all about, folks. This is not about doing religious stuff. This is about telling people, you got a problem. And when you recognize you got a problem, there's a way. And Jesus is the way. And he's waiting right now for you to make the next move. The ball is in your court. Either you say yes or no, you can't say yes and no. I want you to stand to your feet. No one moving for just a moment. There are going to be some that are going to slip out right now to go back to the Connection Center, some men and women that are going to be there to talk to you and pray with you. These people are there because they want to be there. Now, here's the situation. Maybe what you need today is somebody to tell you, how can I receive the gift of eternal life? How can I deal? I'm a sinner. I, I, like everybody else, I just confessed it. Now, what next? They will tell you. Won't take you just a few moments. Maybe you're here and you just need a church home. Maybe you just need a church home. And you say, you know, uh, we had an elder here today from a church in Houston for years. Been an elder. And one of the biggest churches in Houston. The last person I talked to before I walked in this building. And she said, but I heard the word of God today. And I think I'm going to come and join and be a part of this church. So you can go all the way to the top in this religious stuff. But if you don't know Jesus... You don't have a new birth. and You don't have salvation. So maybe you want to say, I just need a church home. Maybe you're, you want to say, I just need somebody to pray with me. Man, I've just got some problems. Uh, I guess, I, would you pray with me? You don't have to give any details to them, any more than you want to, but they want to pray with you. And then maybe God might be calling some of you to give your life to go serve the Lord. I'm talking about in a professional way. You say, I can't find a job, I don't know what to do. Maybe God's calling you to the mission field. Maybe God's calling you to the ministry. I don't know. But if you want somebody to talk to, the Connection Center's right directly where I'm, I'm pointing, behind the divine servant in that beautiful lobby. So as we sing this final song, you may go right now, if you like, and we'll sing this verse and chorus, and we'll all be dismissed. Father, bless us now as we sing and pray In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.